have had some dental work done. Can you tell? <laughs> so, yes, I can take my front teeth out now. Uh, 14 years ago, I was in a bad bike accident and had root canals in front. The root canals have failed, and now I'm in the process of getting implants. So I was here last week without front teeth, but didn't think you could handle me preaching to you without front teeth. Uh, it's pretty distracting, uh, with the lisp and the drool and everything, when I don't have my teeth in. So <laughs> I thought I'd just give it a week, you know, with the Michigan Singers here and stuff, and be back this week. So here we are, teeth in and all. So go ahead and turn with me to the book of Titus. The book of Titus is about living a consistent life, and this is, I think, why Cheyenne picked um, Speak, O Lord, as our theme song. I just want to point out to you that what we just sang, that the light of Christ might be seen today in our acts of love and our, do you remember those next three words? I heard it real loud over here, but all the people that were singing it real loud went to Kid Zone. Our deeds of faith. See, that's really important, deeds of faith, that we actually live out and do what we believe. And so if we're drawing a picture of it, we draw the picture of a tree and talk about how our deeds are what we do. That's our conduct, and our conduct is different than but flows out of what we believe. So we want to live an aligned life between what we believe and what we do so that we have deeds of faith. That is intensely biblical idea that your, your deeds would flow out of what you do. I mean, if this doesn't happen, you've seen this not happen. You've seen the hypocrisy that happens when people don't do what they say they believe. I think you've seen that. I'm a pastor's kid. I, I had a front seat. <laughs> you know, like... The, it's people say one thing and then live something else all the time. That has been a problem in the church for a long, long time. In fact, it was a problem then, and that's why Titus, that's why the Apostle Paul is writing to Titus about it, saying, This is a problem. We need to bring our beliefs and our actions into alignment. So this is what we're working on today. Let's pray before we jump in. Lord, I pray that you'd stand in front of me while I'm in front of them, and that you'd talk over me while I talk to them. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we are in Titus chapter 3, verse 1. He says, remind them. So, is he going to remind them of what they believe or what they should do? Well, let's see. To be submissive to rulers and authorities. So this is something they should, they should do. Be submissive to rulers and authorities. Be obedient. Be ready for every good work. To speak evil of no one. To avoid quarreling. Hey, hey. How many of you are on social media? 
I know there's more of you than raised your hand. I know. How, how is your social media feed measuring up to that? <laughs> Speak evil of no one. Avoid quarreling. Come on now. Avoid quarreling. That's like our favorite sport. Avoid quarreling. You'll see that again. Paul's not done with that theme. Be gentle. Does that sound like the social media feed you're part of? Gentleness? Be gentle. And to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Is that true of you? Let's just go back a couple and put your name in there. Nathan, you put your name in there, speaks evil of no one. Nathan avoids quarreling. You put your name in there, I'm putting my name in there. Nathan is gentle, and Nathan shows perfect courtesy towards all people, even when he's raging mad at them. Even when they're incredibly frustrating and causing him great inconvenience, Nathan is perfectly courteous towards all people. How, how in the world can we do this? Well, got to remember, got to remember what we believe. This is what we believe. For we ourselves were once. The, see, this is part of our core beliefs. That every Christian has a past. And I stopped there. Every Christian has a past tense. That you were something different than you are now that you're saved. This is, this is, one, of my, this is just one of my favorite things about our faith. That no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, that God's grace is bigger and stronger and better than all of our sin. That he can wash our past away and give us newness of life. And the, the Apostle Paul is writing to them and saying, here, you know, do the top of the tree stuff, do all that good stuff, but remember why. Remember why you can, because you're not what you were. Your past does not define you. You don't have to go back to that. You don't have to do that anymore. You have a future that is different than where you came from. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves of various passions and pleasures, passing our days with malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Well, that sounds like fun, doesn't it? Yeesh. Hated by others and hating one another. Because you live that selfish life and it just causes all manner of friction and conflict and brings up all kinds of hate. So, what, what's the answer to this? Well, but... When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. So here's the first thing I want to wave my arms and say. This is the first thing. 
This is not something that you do. Remember, we started out talking about stuff that you do. We listed seven things in verses, I think, one through three. One through two. One through two, there's seven things that you're supposed to do. The end with perfect courtesy towards all people. That stuff you do. God saved us is not something you do. Which is really good news. It's something God does for you. You are passive, God is active. This is something God does in you. So watch these. So, so I tried to bring some stuff up here to help me talk about this. Because these are, it, we could just slide by them if we weren't going to slow down and pay attention to each one. So watch these verses very closely. Because this is what God has done for you if you're saved. For he saved us, not because the works done by us in righteousness. So, do you save yourself by the good things you do? No, you don't. You'll do good works because of that, but not, not for that to happen. So the first thing to remember is that this is not something that you do. This is something God does for us. You are passive, God is active. But according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. So the first way to say that God saved us, I want you to keep in mind, God saved us the whole time. He says, remember, remember how dirty you were? Remember how covered in sin filth you were? Remember that? You remember those times when you felt incredibly dirty, the kind of dirty that taking a shower can't wash off? Remember that? He's saying, remember that you were that, but you're not anymore because you were washed. He washed you by his grace and mercy because of his goodness. He washed you, and that has made you new. That's the renewal of the Holy Spirit. That's regeneration. It's like you're reborn to newness of life. It's all God's grace. And remember what he said, not by works of righteousness that you have done. It's not like you kind of helped in the process. You didn't help in the process at all. You were fighting and kicking the whole way, and he washed you. And it's something you receive by grace, through faith. As he makes you new. God saves us by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us. What's that next word? Okay, we're going to do it again. I want you to all say it out loud this time. You can read it up off the screen so we have the same translation. Whom he poured out on us richly. Lots and lots and lots of it. Not miserly. Not only a little bit. Richly. Through Jesus Christ our Savior. Here's the picture. You were washed. You were made new. And God said, now I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And he pours us out on us, and he keeps pouring, 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 and he pours it out on us richly. Because God is generous. Incredibly generous. Not because of the works of righteousness that we have done, but because this is something God does for us. Here's the point. God saves us. This is something we receive. This is something God does to us. 
We'll get to good works, but I want you to see this is God's good work that we believe God has done in us. He's the one that washes us. He's the one that pours the Spirit on us. And so that being justified by his grace. Okay, let me draw you a picture of justification. Think of this as a ledger. Think of all the negatives. Like this is our side of the ledger. We have sinned, 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 sinned. All of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We have only negatives on our side of the ledger because anytime you look at yourself and you say, well, why did I do that? You can always come up with a selfish motivation. We have nothing but sin on our side of the ledger. Jesus has only positives on his side of the ledger. God says to us, hey, how about we trade? I'll take your side of the ledger, and you have my side of the ledger. And that's just grace. He takes our sin, he gives us his righteousness, and we're justified. That's just grace. That's not because we have some positives. We don't have any positives, except that he gives us his righteousness. People have talked about that like alien righteousness. Alien not because they're Martians, but because it comes from outside of us. And that is only by grace. Okay, so God saves us. This is like being washed. It's like the renewal of the Holy Spirit where we're made a new person, which he pours out on us lavishly, generously. It's like being justified, and there's one more, that we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Look, if we looked at other texts, we could see that before Jesus, we're like outsiders, without a family, without an inheritance. But it's kind of like if, if you could picture in the ancient world an orphan left for dead, abandoned by their family, and a really, really, really rich family adopts that orphan and says, you know what, I'm going to make you my son, my daughter, and makes them part of the inheritance, a co-heir with Christ. They go from an outsider and penniless to an insider and a co-heir of eternal life. And this is not something we earn. It is only something we receive by grace. God saves us. God is the subject. Saves is the verb. We are the direct object. It is something that God does to us and for us. It is not our work. Now watch what the Apostle Paul does next. Watch how he brings us home. He says, this saying is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things. Like these are the things to make sure everybody's clear about. That they all understand. So that those who have believed in God. So you, you know, we, we believe all this stuff about how we're saved. 
We believe this. May be careful to devote themselves to good works. So because we believe in God's work, that God saved us, and it was all by grace, that, that it, was, it was his goodness that decided to wash us. It was his loving kindness that decided to pour out his spirit on us. It was his grace that decided to justify us. It was his mercy that decided to make us an inherit, give us an inheritance, make us an heir, a co-heir with Christ. It's all of God's generosity. He says, because you believe that's true, get to good work. This is not to save yourself, but this is, to, this is in response to being saved. Do something good. So God saves us, so we want to get to good work. Now, what does that mean? He's about to tell us what it means. These things are excellent and profitable for people. I'm the kind of guy that hires other people to work on his car. That's because when I try to work on my car, I just make it worse. And worse for everyone around me. You know, it's just, it's just not... The family is for me hiring that out. You know, like it's... I think those of you who are like me know what I'm talking about. But I'll tell you what, when people do good work on my car, it is excellent and profitable. I am so thankful for work that is done right. I'm so thankful for people that work with their hands and do excellent and profitable work. Those, those are like value words, excellent and profitable. So Paul is saying, because you're saved, do excellent and profitable work. And that comes down to working with your hands. It also comes down to working with your head. Some of you work with your head and you solve problems for people. That is excellent and profitable work. It is important work to help people solve problems. It is valuable work to help people solve problems they can't solve on their own. Some of you are students, and you're like, I just don't know how this applies to me because I don't, I don't do good work yet. And I, I, I get that. I, I remember when I was in seminary, I was spending hours upon hours upon hours upon hours in the library. And just being like, this is so selfish and useless. I just, I'm reading and producing papers and no one knows and no one cares and it's not helping anyone. And I kind of had to face it and be like, why am I doing this? And I kind of came to the conclusion, I, I guess I really did come to the conclusion, I am doing this for the sake of the church I pastor someday. So it's not helping anybody right now, but I have to believe that it will help people someday. So this is excellent and profitable work. So if you're a student and you go, school is dumb and useless, well, I have to believe that it will help you help somebody someday. It will be excellent and profitable someday, even if it's just forming your character. Some of us have hobbies. We're in the stage of life where we're retired and we have hobbies now. And I, I would just encourage you, are your hobbies good work? Are your hobbies excellent and profitable? Are they adding value to you or to someone else? 
Who are your hobbies helping? How are your hobbies helping other people? I was so proud of our men's ministry yesterday going and doing yard work for some people that couldn't do it themselves. That is excellent and profitable work. So proud of our youth group going on the missions trip and doing um, service projects and sharing the love of Christ with people. That is excellent and profitable work. So proud of you that serve in so many ways that I don't even know about. Just quietly, behind the scenes, calling on people who are lonely. That is excellent and profitable work. So because you're saved, because you say, I know about the goodness and mercy and kindness of God, what does that lead me to do? It leads me to doing good work that is excellent and profitable. Would you say excellent and profitable? Before we move on, we're about to move on, I just want to try to anchor those two words in your mind, excellent and profitable, for people. So um, I'm going to read, these things are, and then you say excellent and profitable. Okay, ready? These things are and profitable. Don't miss these last two words, for people. So what good is your faith doing them? That's the question to kind of hang on to. What good is your faith doing your employer, your family, the lost people around you, the, the, um, the poor or the needy in your neighborhood? What good is your faith doing, doing them? So what do we need to know? We need to know God saves. What do we do? We do good work. Now here's something to avoid. But avoid because this is going to be the enemy. This is the thing we really have to watch out for. But avoid foolish controversies. Avoid fighting about stuff you don't need to fight about. Genealogies. So in, in, in the ancient world, genealogies were a bigger deal than they are today to us most of the time. Anyway, in, in um, Judaism, genealogies were certainly very important. If you look back at the, the line of Christ, you see a lot of genealogies. People got excited about genealogies, much more so than they do today. But the Apostle Paul is saying your identity is in Christ, not your genealogy. So foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law. Quarrels about the details that really we don't need to fight about. Here's, here's how I tried to summarize this, because there's a lot of stuff to remember. So here's how I try to summarize it for you. The Apostle Paul is saying, I think, you cannot fight the good fight if you're fighting the wrong fight. The good fight, I think of like when the Apostle Paul tells Timothy, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race. So he's talking about, I have fought for the gospel. And he, I mean, he had, he had gotten beat up and shipwrecked and beaten and stoned and imprisoned. and I mean, he had been in some fights. But does, <laughs> let me say it positively, not every fight needs to be fought. Because not every fight is about the gospel. I, I've read a lot about the history of different wars. Um, it's just one of the things I do before bed uh, as I'm drifting off to sleep is read history. Because it's interesting enough to keep my attention, but boring enough to put me to sleep. So I like to read history. And it's fascinating how important it is that generals pick the right fights. 
if the fight is up north and you send your people south, that is a grave mistake. Too often, I think, we get excited about the wrong things and fight about the wrong stuff, stuff that doesn't really matter. So I'd really I'd like you to think about M, the, the, the quarrels I'm part of, the, the, the fighting I'm tempted to enter into, is that about the gospel? I've, I've been in church all my life. I told you, I'm a pastor's kid. I have never been in a church where the fight was about justification. I've seen some church fights, okay? I've, 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 I've seen some church fights. I've never been in a fight where it was about whether or not we're saved by faith. I've never been in a fight where it was whether or not Jesus' righteousness was big enough to pay for all of our sin. I've never been in that kind of a fight. Never even seen it. Seen a lot of fights about the wrong kind of stuff, though. You can't fight the good fight if you're distracted by the wrong fight. So don't quarrel about the law, is what he's saying. They are unprofitable and worthless. Hey, do you remember those two words you read out loud? Excellent and profitable? These are the opposite of those. Unprofitable and worthless. He's saying, don't fight about that stuff because it is utterly worthless. Please don't fight about that stuff. I think a good way to put it is like, if good work is profitable and excellent, like there is value in good work. There is, it's important to do good work. It helps people to do good work. He's saying the wrong fight, fighting about the wrong stuff, is unprofitable and worthless. It's a waste of energy and a waste of resources, and it's a waste of time, and it keeps you from doing the right stuff. So please stop doing it. You know, I've been thinking about this, and I've been thinking, you know... Maybe, maybe some people like to fight because they're bored. And they just don't have anything else to consume their time and energy. So they're like, you know what, I, I'm just going to fight. I don't know if they make that conscious decision, but I think some people fight just because it's a habit. Just because they're bored. So I think some people fight for sport. Some people wake up in the I mean, This is what gives them meaning and purpose and helps them wake up in the morning is going out to fight. About stuff that doesn't matter. Sometimes I think we listen to people angrily complain about what's going on all the time just because it gives us this sense of energy and charges us up. But is that the right thing to fight about? The question I've started asking, or I hope I aspire to start asking at least, is if I win this fight, how will it help them? And I'm thinking of this particularly with, with my kids. Do they need me to fight this fight with them? Because if they do, I'll fight it. If they don't, then I'm going to let it go. 
I could think of this with you too. Like, do they need me to enter into this with them? If not, I'm going to let it go. Because I don't want to get into fights that are unprofitable and useless. Maybe you think of this with your spouse. Like, if, is this worth fighting about? Like, will this help them? Do they need me to enter into this fight with them? If they do, then all right, let's go. Let's, let's have the conversation until it's done. If not, then we can let it go. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Why don't you say unprofitable and worthless with me? Ready? For they are unprofitable and worthless. Just anchor those things in your mind. Before you have your next fight, ask, is this profitable and excellent? Will this help them? Or is this unprofitable and worthless and I need to just let it go? As for the person who stirs up division, man, this is aggressive language. I'm just going to warn you. You're going to be like, that's not in the Bible. It is in the Bible. This is aggressive language, and it is in the Bible. As for the person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful and he is self-condemned. That, to me, is just shocking. That's just hard. That's just hard to read. And to me, like, if, if you're the kind of person that fights follow you around everywhere you go, and these fights tend to be not about the gospel, and these fights tend to be unprofitable and worthless, and these fights just are always with you, and it's always somebody else's fault. These two verses might really make you stop and pause and think, why am I always fighting? Here's what we've said. We've said the one thing that you need to know about God is that he saved us. So if you're here and you're going, I, I don't know if this is true. Like in my life, I just don't know. And today is the day to get saved. Today is the day. Please, let him wash you clean. Let him fill you with his Holy Spirit. He is generous. He will keep on pouring. Let him justify you and make it just as though you had never sinned. Let him make you an heir and give you an eternal inheritance. Please, please get saved. And then give yourself to good work. Give yourself to work that is profitable and excellent. Give yourself to work that truly helps people. And whatever you do, avoid distractions. Avoid distractions because they will pull you off course. They will derail you. They're unprofitable and worthless. Lord, I pray that we would be defined by your gospel, that 
we would be saved and that we would um, give ourselves to good works, that we would be really be cognizant of whether or not we are fighting about the wrong stuff. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.